we're going to be looking in 1 Peter chapter 1. And so if you want to find your place. You know, I told you last week that we were going to begin through the month of November to talk about things for which we were grateful, things for which we could find joy and rejoice in because of all the great and wondrous things that God does in our life as we look at it and understand. And so I want to continue that idea as we look at this. And Peter's writing, his letter is being written to Christians who are being persecuted throughout Asia Minor. All kinds of troubles that they're going through, all kinds of things that are happening. And what he's trying to remind them in, especially in this first chapter, is how much they have to rejoice over, how much they have to thank God for, even in the midst of all their persecution. He doesn't spend time in this first chapter teaching doctrine or telling them things that they need to do or ought not to do as much as he just wants to help them to rejoice and understand that even in the midst of the most difficult times in life, God is with us, that we can depend upon him, we can trust him. He walks with us in all the areas of our life, and we can see that. And so it's a great passage. It's a a wonderful thing. And we're just going to look at verses 3 through 5 this morning uh, as we look at it and have the opportunity to do that and see what it has to say. But he's talking again, as I remind you, about the fact that God is teaching us through Peter that you and I, no matter what's going on in our lives, have reasons that we can rejoice, things that we can be grateful for, even in the midst of all the other things that are going on in our lives. And so I'm going to invite you once again to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Peter is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. What a great promise already there. So many things that we want to look at. We're just going to examine that for a few moments. So let's pray together. Father, in, in these verses that you have preserved for us that you're allowed to be written through Peter's pen and heart and mind as he had come to know more and more about who you were and how you'd grown him and taught him. And Father, as he tries to reach out to his brothers and sisters in Christ that are suffering in all kinds of ways, he's helping them and himself and all of us through the ages of time because of their eternal word to understand that life isn't easy and, and we do struggle and we have all kinds of issues and that's not going to change. But in the midst of it, as a people of God, we have every reason to find joy, every reason to rejoice, every reason to be grateful, to have a life attitude that is thankful for all that we are in Christ and all that you have done for us and all that that means. And so, Father, I pray that as we just take a few moments to break this down and to understand the significance of these words, that you would fill our hearts with wonder, that you would give us the awe that we sometimes lose when we get to take for granted our relationship with you, and that you would, again, just fill our hearts with a sense of genuine gratitude for the great, great God that we have, our Lord and Savior. Help us to rejoice in that, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. As we look at these verses and as we think about them, there are several things that I want to point out, but I'm going to try to limit it because we could go on or I could go on for a long, long time regarding all the things that are here. But the first thing that we want to look at is that God's people, and so this letter, remember, is written to Christians. It's not a letter that's written to a lost world. It's not about things that are there. This is a letter that is written to believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and it applies to them and them only. It doesn't apply to a lost world. It doesn't 
reach to them. They can't understand it. They can't conceive of it. It doesn't relate to them because they don't have a heart that's been made new by the work of the Holy Spirit in God. And so we need to see that. So it's a letter written to you and me if we would look at it and understand that way. And the first thing it says is that God's people can rejoice because of our new life in Christ. No matter what's happening in our lives, you and I can rejoice because we know that we have been made new in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we have found salvation. The Bible tells us that we have been brand new. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, you'll remember it says to us that anyone who is in Christ is a brand new creation. All the old things are being passed away from their life and everything is becoming new. That's who we are in Christ Jesus. We are brand new creations. Just as in the beginning in the book of Genesis, when God created mankind and he breathed into them a new life and they became living beings. So when you and I trusted Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we gave our hearts to him and gave him all of that we were, the Bible says that this body was dead in sin, that we had no hope, no possibilities. But because of that giving of our heart to him, the Bible says that God by the Holy Spirit quickened our spirit, which means he brought it to life again. And we once who were dead are now alive. According to Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 4 and 5, 13, 14, excuse me, you can find the reality that we were dead, but now we're alive. God, we rejoice because we who were dead are alive. We rejoice because we are brand new creations by the work of God in Christ. That's what happened in your life. That's what happened in my life if we know the Lord Jesus Christ. We are brand new creations. And we can rejoice in that no matter what else is going on in our life, that we have been made brand new by God, that we have been renewed in our spirit, that we have been given life, we have been given hope, and all the things that are there. And he continues to talk about that as he looks about and goes on with this. He says, God's people can rejoice because of our living hope. We have a living hope. See, the Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. He was buried, but he rose from the dead. He's alive. The scripture teaches us without any question, in history, through five, many, many people throughout time have tried to disprove and discredit the, re- the idea of the resurrection, but they can't do it. There's too many things that give evidence of it and say that it's a reality, and we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we have a living Savior. We have a living God. He's not a dead God in a tomb somewhere. He's not some religious man who led a religious movement and died and got put in a tomb and is still in that tomb. Our hope is in a living hope, a living reality. Our God is alive. And because of that, we have a reason to rejoice. Every single day, we know that our life is based upon a living Savior. Our life is based upon one who is with us in all things, in all ways, because he is alive and cares about us and everything that's going on in our hearts, in our lives. We have a living Savior, the Bible tells us. And look at it and see that will happen. All the things that we put our hope in perish. One of the biggest problems that we face, and it's getting greater and greater in our nation, is suicide. And suicide comes because of hopelessness. Because of not being able to believe that it'll ever get any better. That this is is the best that it can ever be. And I just don't want to put up with it anymore. Whether it's pain, whether it's depression, whether it's rejection, whatever it may be, it just, in the mind of that individual, at least in that moment, they have been convinced that there's no hope. That nothing will ever change, nothing will ever be any better, and they just can't endure it anymore. That's the end of all hopelessness. It never can be helped without a living hope. And that's what it's trying to say to us, is that we have a hope that cannot be diminished. It cannot be taken away. It cannot be destroyed. It cannot be lost because it is alive in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where our hope lies. It doesn't lie in us. It doesn't lie in the circumstances of our world. It doesn't lie in the situations that we find ourselves in. Our hope is in Christ, who is a living hope. 
there's a modern day parable about a luxury ship that talks about it was a magnificent ship and they had furnished it with all the best kinds of furniture and the finest chinas and dishes and the things that could be. I mean, it was really outfitted in an amazing way and it was filled with supplies of the best foods and the best need, linens, everything that you could ever hope or imagine was covered with it in abundance. Everything you could need would be, was on that ship. And the people got on the ship, and as the voyage began, they were having a great time. Great meals, great entertainment, lots of luck times to do things. They were having a wonderful, wonderful time. But after they had traveled for a while, they began to ask, you know, where, where are we going? Now, I know that sounds absurd. You wouldn't got on a ship if you didn't know where it was going in the first place, but it's a parable, so just stay with me. They, they went along, and it was, they, they didn't know, and nobody would find out. They kept talking to each other. Do you know where we're going? I don't know where we're going. And finally, word came out that they weren't going anywhere, that they were just out to sea, and there was no port in mind. There was no destination in mind. They weren't going anywhere. And after a period of time, even though they had all the things they needed physically, people began to slip over the side of the ship to their death. Because there was no hope. There was no destination. There was no purpose. Without hope, we don't know our worth. Without hope, we don't know our purpose. Without hope, we don't know our direction. Without the knowledge, this self-confident assurance in Jesus Christ that we do have a destination, that we do have a hope that cannot diminish, that we do have a hope that cannot perish, that we do have a hope that cannot be affected by anything that this world has, it's a living hope, and it's in a person, and the person is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Peter's wanting them to know and understand as he helps them through this persecution. They're being, they're, some of them are losing their lives. They're losing their homes. They're losing their families, their welfare. They're being persecuted in all kinds of ways, but he is reminding them, even in that midst, even when it looks like it's hopeless in the world in which you live, never forget that your hope, your life, your salvation, who you are, is based in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he is a living God. He is a living hope. And we have that knowledge today that we need to hang on to in all that we do together. But it gets even better for me, at least, as we look at it and understand, because the scripture goes on to say not only that, but God's people can rejoice because of our inheritance. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever received an inheritance, or if you are holding an inheritance for someone that's coming behind you as you look at it. I know a uh, I hear lots of people, I think they're joking, but they'll say, I'm spending all my, my grandkids' inheritance. I'm going to enjoy it, and they can figure out how to do it on their own because I, I had to. But we have an inheritance. The Bible says it right here in the verses that I read. We have a, an inheritance. And note the superiority of that inheritance that is ours. See, the Bible says that our inheritance is incorruptible. That means that, that means that you and I have an inheritance that cannot be touched, that cannot be destroyed, cannot be corrupted. It, in one sense, it's the idea that we can't lose its value. It can't lose it like we have today with a, the market that goes up and down or the interest rates that change and go along. You might have this much money one day and the next day it's cut in half. or less. It loses its value. It, it doesn't hold on to what it is and what we look at and what we see and understand. But this inheritance that you and I have, it is incorruptible. It can't be affected by the circumstances. It can't be affected by rates going up and down. It can't be touched by human hands. It is incorruptible. It's untouchable as we look at it and understand that and see that as we look together. But not only that, the Bible says, it's undefiled. And so not only is it untouchable, is it imperishable that it cannot be taken away. It's undefiled. That means it's never been touched by human hands. See, you and I are sinners. 
All of us are, even though, thankfully, if we know the Lord Jesus Christ, we're redeemed, and we have been brought into the family of God, and we're his children, we're still sinners. And anything that we touch is tainted, because we're not perfect, we're not holy. We're called to move in that direction, to live, but the Bible tells us this inheritance that we have is one that's untouched by human hands. It's undefiled, it's untainted, it's never in any way been harmed in any form. It has no flaws within it whatsoever because of Christ's payment. The Bible says that Jesus Christ was the perfect lamb of sacrifice. He had no sin. And yet God, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that you and I might be clothed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's this one who knew no sin, this one who is undefiled, this one who is untainted by anything in this world is the one who made the payment for us to be able to be saved and to put up the security that we might have forever the knowledge that this inheritance that we have been given through Christ by God is something that is undefiled. But not only that, he says, it's reserved for us in heaven. It's kept for us. It's put away. It cannot be secured. It's secured in heaven and no one can touch it, not Satan, not the world. Not life, nor death, nor principality. It's the idea of the same thing he says in Romans 8, 31, and on when he talks about the love of God, it cannot be touched. It's secure because it's being held by God. Even the greatest banks in the world, the greatest security systems, can find someone can always find a way to get into them. And no matter, we, we all experienced it with the internet. No matter how secure we think we've gotten, we've done all the things we're supposed to do, someone always finds a way to get in. It's never truly secure. But your inheritance that you have in Christ Jesus is secure. It can't be touched. There's no one on earth that can do anything that can ever touch that inheritance. It's secure because it's held by God himself in a place called heaven, and it's reserved for you and it's reserved for me. If we know the Lord Jesus Christ, it is ours that we have, and so it's secure. What a great thing to know that you and I have an inheritance. It's been given to us. We didn't earn it. An inheritance isn't something that we earn. It's not something that we uh, somehow can pay for. It's a gift that's given to us by someone else. And that's what this is. We have been given a great gift. It's called salvation. We've been a great gift. It's called heaven. We've been given a great gift. It's called all the mercies and graces, all the riches of God in Christ Jesus belong to you and belong to me. The Bible says in Romans 8 that we are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. And so this inheritance, all of heaven, all that it holds is for us to experience and to know, and it's secure because God has given it to us as a gift, and he's the one who's taking care of it and making sure nothing can touch it and nothing can have anything to do with it. So we have a certainty, we have a hope, we have a joy to realize what God is keeping in store for us. But then there's another thing. God's people can rejoice because of the security in the power of God. The scripture said that I read... Kept by the power of God. That word kept is such an amazing word. Kept by the power of God. First of all, it is a word that means there was a point in time in history when you and I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. For all of us, that was probably at some different point. Some of us maybe as children, some as as young adults, or maybe some even later in life. But at some point, we gave our heart to Jesus Christ. We acknowledged that we were sinners. We confessed that we couldn't save ourselves, and we... Nothing could, not religion, not the church, nothing could save us except 
what God had done in Christ, and we believed that. We accepted what he did for us on the cross, and we accepted his death, burial, and resurrection as the adequate, sufficient, total answer to our need. And we trusted Christ as our Savior, and we were saved. We became the very children of God, the Bible says. And when that moment happened, from that period, the word means at a point in time with continuing results. So that means that at that moment, the very instant that I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, I became kept by God, and he keeps on keeping me. It wasn't just for a day. It wasn't just for a year. It wasn't just for a period of time. But I am kept from that moment for continuation. It has no ending effect. The Bible tells us that we are kept by God. What an amazing truth that is, that our inheritance is there. And it's that same word that means our inheritance is secure because he's the one that is keeping that inheritance. He's the one that's watching over that inheritance. The Bible says God never slumbers, never gets weary. He's always constantly alert, keeping a hold of what is ours, protecting what is ours, being a part of Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that you and I have been sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit if we are Christians. If we know Christ Jesus is Lord, the Scripture teaches us that the, God has given to us the Holy Spirit as a down payment, as a seal, as a certainty, as a promise that that which He has given us in Jesus Christ is ours and cannot be taken away. And every day of our life, the Holy Spirit is guarding our life. See, it wouldn't do any good if I get an inheritance, somebody tells me I'm going to leave you a million dollars. Well, I'd be a little excited about it. But it wouldn't do any good if it wasn't going to be able to be kept so that when the time came, I could actually possess it. Nor would it do any good, and this is even more important, if it wasn't somehow shown to me how I could stay alive, how I could manage to, to reach that point in time, that age, whatever it was, that I could receive that. It's not just that God keeps the inheritance for us, but that he keeps us so that we can have the inheritance. That's what the scripture is talking about when it talks about the security, about being kept by God. God holds us. God has secured us in the Holy Spirit of the living God. And He holds us. He has secured us so that that which He has kept for us, one day we can know that we will experience it because we ourselves are kept by God. What a promise that is. What a great, wonderful joy the Scripture teaches us when we understand that it is God who is doing this work. It's nothing about you. It's nothing about me. But God himself has chosen to give us this amazing gift in Christ Jesus. And through that gift, he has promised that I will preserve it for you. I will keep it for you. I will hold it for you. It is yours. Nothing can destroy it. Nothing can take it away. Nothing can diminish it. Nothing can lose. It cannot lose its value. It cannot be touched in any way. And I, God, the Father, the creator, the king of all the universe, the Lord of lords and king of kings, I will hold that for you. And nothing can diminish it. But in order that you might know without a question of a doubt that you yourself will experience what it means to have that inheritance, to be able to rejoice in that inheritance, to be able to have the pleasure of having that inheritance affect your own life and to take benefit of it, I also will keep you. I will keep you safe and secure. I will hold you, and I will not let you go from my control, from my hold, from my love. 
you're my child, and I will not lose what is mine. We need to understand that, folks. God never loses what is his. Now, we talk about people who claim to be Christians. We talk about church members, people who do all kinds of things. We wonder about their lifestyles and what they're doing. All I can tell you is, according to the Scripture, God never loses what is his. Now, there are a lot of people who go by the name of Christian, a lot of people who go by the name of church member, a lot of people who have religious affiliations that have never met Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But if you know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, then the Bible says he has secured you and he does not lose what is your, his. Not your inheritance. Not you. That's a great word, that word kept. And that, again, that's a wonderful word for us to rejoice in and to have thanksgiving in no matter what we know we're going to deal with, no matter what we may face in our lives. God has done something for us in giving us salvation. We have brand new life. We are brand new creations. We are the very children of God, the Bible says. Not only has he given us new life in Christ Jesus, the Bible says that he has given us a living hope so that we know that as we live this life and all the difficulties of it and all the things that we face and everything that's going on, that we can live day in and day out with a constancy of a hope that cannot be diminished, of a hope that cannot be destroyed, of a hope that will exist beyond time and a living hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this Christ, this Lord who has given himself for us in Christ Jesus, who, who died on the cross for us, has provided for us an eternal salvation, an inheritance that is uncorrupted, undefiled, always kept secure forever. And we ourselves are kept secure because of the gift of God in Christ Jesus, because of what he's done for us. I just want to remind you this morning that you and I always have a reason to rejoice. We always have a reason to be grateful. That's why the scripture can say in other places, give thanks always. God wouldn't ask us to do something that we couldn't do or that there was no reason to be able to do. We can't give thanks for all the things that are going on. I'm not thankful for COVID-19. I'm not thankful for a lot of things going on in our world. But I can always, always be thankful that for no reason except for God's love, that Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for my sin. And that he provided for me by a gift of faith that I might receive that gift. And he made me his child. And because I am the child of the Father, because I am the child of the living God, I have secured for me in heaven by God himself an inheritance that's mine. And no one can take it away. And it's not going to diminish in value. It's not going to be spent. It's not going to be lost. It can't be stolen. It can't be transferred to another name. It is mine. And the better news is that I am His. And because I am His, that which He has given to me is promised me to experience, to receive, to understand and have in my possession. Folks, it's good news. 
There's something to rejoice about. There's something to be celebrate. Is the fact that you and I, who know the Lord Jesus Christ, have been given this great gift, and God puts it in writing for us so that we can remind ourselves when times are tough, when things aren't going the way that we want them to go, and the things that are going on, that we can just find ourselves again, and we can go to his word, and we can be reminded, you are a brand new creation. And God holds you in his hands, and he loves you, and he has provided for you not only your salvation, he has promised to be with you every day of your life as he has indwelt you by the power of the Holy Spirit and given him to be with you so that you're never alone, and he's promised you that you have an inheritance that's undefiled, incorruptible, and never-ending, imperishable. It's yours. He's promised to you, I love you, you're mine, and nothing, nothing can separate you. From the love of God. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, I rejoice in the wonder of this great word that is yours. Father, I know that there's nothing that I could ever do, nothing I could ever say, be, or, or wish for that would ever make me worthy of this gift. But you've chosen out of your great love to bestow it on me and upon any and all who will trust you in Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. Father, I pray this morning that those gathered here, those who may be viewing by Facebook, would be able to know with beyond the shadow of a doubt, I know that I know that I know that I have a right relationship with Christ. I have accepted him as Lord and Savior of my life. And I know that to be true. Father, I pray that if that is true, then that you would give them that confidence, that hope, that living hope, that reminds them that they have a reason no matter what's going on in their lives to rejoice. They have a reason no matter what's happening in their lives to be thankful because they have been kept by you, the Savior, the Lord, the King. And you have for them and for all who are the children of God an inheritance that we will all receive at that moment of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we, I just thank you for that. I do pray, Father, if there's anyone in this room, anyone listening in that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior of their life, they're trusting a church membership or some religion or some good works, or they're just trusting the fact that in the end everybody's going to make it anyway and it doesn't matter what we do. Father, I pray that you would show them how they have been deceived by Satan. And today, in this moment, they'd open up their hearts and accept the truth, the reality, that only in Christ is their life. And his life is eternal life. And they put their faith, their trust, their life into his life and trust him as Lord and Savior. Father, whatever our needs are, I pray that you would remind us that you're sufficient to provide for us. And I just pray that this week might be a week that we could learn how to remind ourselves no matter how hard our life is this day or even in the days ahead, that we always have a reason to rejoice. We always have a reason to celebrate and be thankful because we are the very children of God forever and forever. I pray that in Christ's name. Amen.